Hello and welcome to Peach Pod, a Georgia politics podcast. My name is Kyle Hayes and I am your host. And joining the podcast today is Jill Nolan, a reporter at Georgia Recorder. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. Hey, Kyle. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having, having me on. Now, occasionally you will hear from Jill and other Georgia Recorder reporters. If you aren't familiar with Georgia Recorder, check them out. They are doing excellent state house reporting this legislative session, the first session since they were founded last fall. So we're excited to be able to hear their insights and get a little bit about their reporting from the ground during this year's legislative session. Jill, the highlight of the first week was the governor's State of the State Address, which is the annual speech given to the legislature where the governor lays out priorities for this year's session. What priorities for session did the governor lay out in this year's speech? Right. And so what we heard from uh, Governor Kemp was really um, a lot of continued focus on some of the talking points we've heard a lot from him in the past, um, such as cracking down on gangs and sex trafficking. Um, he's promised some new legislation there. Details are still to come. Another um, issue that, that he pitched is a focus on surprise medical billing, which is uh, that refers to these unexpected out-of-network charges that some patients are getting. Um, it's an issue that the legislature has tried to address in the past but hasn't been able to, to um, get that one done. And so he's going to put his... his uh, force behind that. He also announced some interesting proposals uh, dealing with adoption and and, uh, foster care. He's he's proposed um, tripling a tax credit for to offset adoption expenses. He's also proposed lowering the age um, that someone can adopt from the from 25 to 21. And he's proposed a, uh, I think he calls it the Families First Commission, which will look at the uh, state's foster care system. And of course, the headline was the um, proposed $2,000 pay raise at a cost of $350 million. That would, of course, round out the $5,000 pay raise for public school teachers that the governor promised on the campaign trail back in 2018. And what's interesting is, what the, maybe some things he didn't mention, you know, there was no reference to rounding up criminal illegals and in, in a truck or anything like that. So we definitely, there weren't any appeals to his base um, in this speech. One unexpected part of the State of the State address for me was former Senator Johnny Isaacson's presence on the State House floor. How did the recently retired Senator factor into the governor's speech? Yeah, um, that was surprising. And the governor used his speech as an opportunity to announce a new research program at UGA. The program will focus on developing better treatments for Parkinson's patients and working towards finding a cure. Um, and of course, Isaacson announced back in 2015 that he has Parkinson's, and that was obviously a factor in his decision to step down in, in December. So it was an opportunity for the governor to make that announcement and, and really honor him. And, um, and in some ways, it you know, kind of felt like a um, a bit of a, a public send-off for the former senator and kind of an opportunity to celebrate his long career in a public office. Possibly the most fraught issue of this year's legislative session is going to be wrangling between the governor and the legislature over budget cuts. There are a lot of competing priorities here, including Governor Kemp's support for teacher raises and Speaker Ralston's support for a tax cut. What are some of the early things that you learned this week about the outlook for this debate over the state's finances? Yeah, that was really interesting. And immediately after the governor's state of the state, the Speaker um, of the House, David Ralston, he did a 
um, an, an impromptu scrum with uh, reporters, and he even says, you know, of course, he was, you know, asked about that, and he says, you know, no, no one will oppose. I mean, of course, no one opposes more funding for teachers and, and, and increasing their pay. But his response was that there are a lot of people who deserve a salary bump, and that uh, he hopes that they would be able to support that. But of course, they have to you know, look at the budget and consider, there are lots of other things to consider. So the point was that he, it wasn't an immediate response that he was definitely support the full $2,000. So I think that's interesting. I think that that says a lot about the kind of conversation we're going to have moving forward. There's also, there were some, there are other priorities out there that um, that weren't included in the budget, um, the, the governor's budget. One thing that comes to mind for me was Chairman Sharon Cooper that had a, a study committee over the break that looked at maternal mortality. One of their recommendations was to fund an extension of Medicaid for new mothers um, to take it out to a full year after delivery, at, you know, whereas currently the coverage is cut off after two months. You know, I know that's something she pushed really hard for with the governor. So that's interesting, and I don't think we've heard the end of that conversation. You had some reporting this week on a marketplace facilitator bill. Now, that is legislation that also plays a role in this debate over budgets and state revenue. What does this legislation do, and how does it fit into this conversation about state finances? So I will tell you there was a lot of confusion um, in the press corps about this bill and what exactly it does. You know, basically, it it looks at these companies that conduct their business over an app or a website. You can you know think of companies like Etsy.com. Um, of course, the controversial example is Uber and Lyft. But this bill is an effort to to basically collect a tax that lawmakers or some lawmakers argue is is already owed, and that's the key argument that um, Representative Brett Harrell, who of course chairs the House Ways and Means Committee. His argument is that, you know, this isn't a new tax. It's something that they're already supposed to be paying and that this just clarifies that they're, spo- that they're supposed to be, like who exactly is supposed to be collecting and remitting it because there's a lot of kind of finger pointing about who exactly was responsible for that. So this clears that up, supposedly. <laughs> um, and um, so basically it closes what what's seen as a, as a uh, loophole um, and it's something that already exists in about in more than half the country. But the controversial part, like I said, is that it also deals with the rideshare component, which is something that um, concerns about treating them the same as a as an online retailer. That's what stalled it last year. And so, just to kind of keep things moving, lawmakers have just had they have left the bill so that it applies to everyone. And it, there's no special consideration for how rideshare might be different from, you know, Walmart.com or whatever. And that was a source of angst for um, for some folks. Um, and you could see that in the vote, especially on the House side, where, where the vote was like 111 to 60-something. And a lot of the opposition came from Democrats who were – concerned about about the uh, lack of consideration that for ride shares uniqueness. And so when I talked to, uh, I caught up with uh, Representative Josh McLaurin um, afterwards. He's a Democrat from Sandy Springs. And he says that there was a lot of concern among Democrats um, that there would not be a separate measure 
coming that would um, really, you know, sincerely consider that uni- uniqueness of rideshare, um, as well as the impact on drivers who count on the you know the work and the riders who use rideshare as a substitute for transit. We in the media spend much of the first two weeks of January reporting on and discussing what is likely to happen during each year's legislative session, but it's hard to really know what will go down until things really get started. Was there anything in this first week of session that changed your outlook on how things will go this session? Any surprises for you on issues that will or will not get extensive debate? Uh, Yeah, I was really surprised to see um, the early action on that marketplace facilitator bill. Um, And also there's there's some committee work uh, going on on the Senate side uh, looking at dual enrollment, which looks to um, kind of rein in the spending on what is really a popular program, Um, probably one of the most popular, if not the most popular education initiative in um, Georgia. So I, I think you're seeing um, a, more of a willingness to tackle these difficult issues. You know, it's not popular to put a limit on or a stricter limit on a popular program. It's not popular to pass what some might argue is a new tax, such as on the ride shares. You know, these are not popular dis- decisions, but I think the fact that you're seeing them happen and happen so early in the session just says a lot about the um, attention to the state's finances and and that it's, you know, kind of greasing the tracks <laughs> for measures that had trouble just last year getting passed. And that's been pretty surprising to watch. And I think that says a lot about the uh, budget conversation that we're just really in the beginning of having. Now, Georgia Recorder has got a few folks down at the Capitol reporting this legislative session. Are there any other stories from you or your colleagues that our listeners should check out? Yeah, I think we had some good stories this week that look at the film tax credit. You know, there were those two um, really damning audits that came out recently. Um, Maggie Lee, who is writing for us during the session, she took um, a d- deeper look at that and compared uh, Georgia's program to what other states have done. Um, and also Jay Bookman, who is our columnist, um, he wrote a commentary taking up the same issue. And Uh, Looking ahead, you can expect a lot more coverage from us next week on the budget. All right. Well, Joe, we really appreciate you joining the podcast, and we look forward to hearing more about legislative session in the coming weeks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it. That's our show for today. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Peach Pod. Thanks as always to our fantastic interns, Olivia Bauer, Peyton Childers, and Kelly Dobso for their help researching this episode. Until next time, take care, y'all.